Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 133, the review for The Eternals. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, The Hyperson55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are talking about the next chapter in the MCU film universe, The Eternals, also just known as Eternals. I just like to call them The Eternals because the The gives it a little bit more oomph. But yeah, with this film, good gravy. I have never had such a whiplash in terms of my interest in a film. I remember when this film was announced during Phase 4 and then when they announced that Chloe Zhao was going to be the director, I was like, oh, okay, she has some interesting films under her belt and once Nomadland really blew up, it gave me even more intrigue to see what a director like her would bring to the MCU. And I remember before any of the footage has shown up, I was intrigued by the idea of learning about these cosmic characters that existed far beyond the natural realm of the MCU that we've seen before. Much like when we were in Phase 2 and we were mainly Earthbound, when we went into learning about the Guardians and then going into space and seeing how well that turned out, Marvel had a pretty good track record of being able to take that which was, I guess, in a way incomprehensible or just not well understood by the general public and then making it feasible. I was ready to learn about these characters that of all the MCU stuff that's come beforehand, I had next to no knowledge about from the comic material. And when the cast was announced, I was like, bloody hell, this is a great cast. I'm even more hyped. But then the first trailer came out. And for the first time in the how many years since the MCU has existed, this is the first trailer that made me go, meh. I was just underwhelmed. And I knew that there was probably something interesting behind all of that, but it was just a big nothing for me. And then when the second trailer came around that demonstrated a little bit more about the characters, who they were and some of their abilities, I still just found it underwhelming. There was nothing about it that had a hook or any oomph that made me go, yo, I need to see this. It wasn't like Shang-Chi where I was just like, yo, man, I am in there before the door was even open. But again, Shang-Chi was a different case because I am a massive fan of action films and martial arts films specifically, and I've been waiting for a big superhero-based martial arts film to come around. But with this, I was initially intrigued way back in the beginning when it was announced to just being completely underwhelmed. I had debated back in the summer whether I was even going to watch this opening weekend because I was like, I don't really feel the need because it looks so dull. And then when the early set of reviews came out, critics were praising the hell out of this film. But then, within the same week, there was a bunch of critics that said that the film was awful. And then it just created this interesting mixed reception where there were some people saying it was pretty good, but then the negative side of things really started to blow up where people saying that it was boring, really long, tedious, one of the worst MCU films, and with the bunch of reviews that came in, it made the film the lowest rated Marvel film since Thor The Dark World, which is 
impossible to think for me because Thor The Dark World is still probably the worst MCU film. But anyway, I tried to go into the film with an open mind when I went to see it on opening day. And you know what? It's not nearly as bad as some people are making it out to be. Make no mistake, Eternals is definitely going to be one of those sort of films that depending on what kind of Marvel fan you are and what you're looking for going into this, it's surprising. It's different yet familiar. But some of these negative thoughts I understand and are warranted to a degree. But we'll get into that when we get into the review. So as per usual that we do on Film Focus, we talk about story, characters, presentation and overall conclusion. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. So the plot for this film can be summed up as the following. So after the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces the Eternals, a group of ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years, to come out of the shadows and reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. And that is the best way for me to summarize this film without going into the area of spoilers. Now, as an overall film, Eternals has an interesting story, but one that just doesn't have that oomph that I was hoping for. Considering that you're dealing with aliens who are far beyond what we know in the MCU right now, you really needed a story that was going to wow and have that sort of spectacular boom factor. And while there are certain elements within this film that definitely have that hook, that intrigue and that sort of entertaining and fascinating element that you like about superhero films, at the same time, there's a lot about it that just felt very plain vanilla and just lacking that sort of panache for lack of a better term and I think it's interesting that Eternal shares some similarities to another recent film in the form of Dune another film that didn't resonate with certain audiences I think the similarities I found was when it came to how it handled its story its scope pacing and the exposition the nature of the story is complex yet simple when you streamline a certain amount of it but whereas with dune i found that to be just a lot more intriguing and fascinating with how it handled its characters its world building and the way in which it done some of its exposition here i just felt like it sort of meandered and when you followed certain characters, there were clearly ones that were more interesting than others. So when you had these sort of long stretches going from character to character or switching from past to present to witness certain flashbacks, some of that stuff was pretty engaging. But some of it, I was just like, mm, this isn't as fun as I would hope. This film from the outset had me intrigued because I was interested in learning what was going on with the mythology and the characters. But... I just found myself just waiting for the film to get to the point and show me what was that key thing that would hook me. But once the film finally got going and certain events came into play and the main objective became clear, I was in. I was having a heck of a lot of fun. And by that final act, I'm like, yo, man, all the pieces are clicking. I am having a good time, boy. Yeah, it was getting into some fun territory. It's just a shame that it took the plot a little while to get to that point where I was having a good time. But I do enjoy the fact that this plot had a lot of cool and fascinating ideas when it came to the mythology tone and wider implications for the MCU as a whole. 
I feel like if you're a fan of this universe and know some of the comic book material as well, there is a lot for you to have like discussions about after the film is over. Though, considering how many people I know aren't that interested in watching this film, the conversations may be pretty limited. As for the humour, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. Some of it felt naturally timed and it was perfect. However, there were other times where it didn't land as well. And there was one moment in particular that stood out as being particularly egregious. It was during a pretty dramatic moment and it was offset by a joke. And while I sort of assumed it might happen, I hoped that it wouldn't. It feels like these days Marvel still can't help themselves. They just can't let a dramatic scene live without trying to offset it by some stupid joke. And I'm like, come on, man, just just grow up a little bit. And speaking of growing up, let's talk about that one scene. There is a scene that's happened in this film that's become quite infamous online recently when it comes to film discussion. Now, I won't mention what it is because, you know, you have to experience it for yourself. But when you see it, you'll know exactly what it is. And you have to ask, was it entirely necessary? Probably not. There's probably a way that they could have at least alluded to it instead of making it happen, but it does call into question how audiences view these films. Marvel Studios have now conditioned their audiences that these films are open to all, despite the violence and increase in swearing that's taken place since Phase 2. And while I appreciate them trying to do something a little bit more mature, I think some form of disclosure beforehand would have been helpful but at the same time it's down to parents of younger children to vet these films beforehand so you're not caught off guard there's a reason why these films are 12a slash pg-13 but then that's a discussion for another time all right and now it's time to talk about the cast and i feel like the cast did well with the material that they were given it's frustrating because you have an ensemble cast that's really strong and this is also the first superhero film in the MCU that features a team this big from the outset that wasn't brought in from other films. They were all just here from the get-go. And I like the Eternals as characters in conception, but also as beings, how they function on the planet and how they came to be. There was a lot of fascinating things with them. It's just a shame that over the course of the film, you find that there just isn't enough time to make all of these characters as fleshed out as they could be. There are some that clearly get more screen time and more significance than others. And there are also portions of the film where the team is segmented. But this leads to certain points where, for a good chunk of the film, there's certain other characters that you know are supposed to be there, but they're just not there and you're just like, isn't there supposed to be like one to three other people in this film? Where are they? And when they eventually do show up, it's just like, I kind of get why they were separated, but you really shouldn't have made them so far away from each other. Because now it's just like when it comes to some of these more dramatic and emotional moments, they don't have the same kind of payoff because we just didn't have the time with these characters bantering or like, you know, forming these connections. Or if they have these connections, we just didn't see enough of them to get what the film is trying to get out of us emotionally. So with the cast, Gemma Chan as Cersei, I liked her, she's pretty much the main character and I felt for her but at the same time there were certain things that were done with her character that just left me a little frustrated more so than anything else. And then you have Richard Madden as Icarus who I found next to Cersei to be the most interesting other character in this film. His character is like a more stoic, cocky, 
serious kind of Superman-esque kind of dude, but just not nearly as charismatic or fun. But I thought Icarus had the most intriguing plot and Madden played the character pretty well. I like him, so I'm kind of biased, but I thought his role in this film was more interesting than I thought it was going to be in the outset. And his scenes with Gemma Chan, they were pretty good. I wish there was more of them as a relationship so that some of the later implications had a little bit more weight, but I thought Madden was pretty decent. But my favorite character in this film was Kingo by far, played by Kumal Nanjiani. I've liked that guy for a while, and Nanjiani brings that natural charisma, flair, and fun to this role. He was so funny, and it was funny in the right kind of ways. I felt that his character might fall into that category of people that I'd really want to punch, just because, you know, how the MCU is sometimes. It likes to overdo the humor, but I felt he was really good. And the valet dude that he had with him, played by Harish Patel, who I think his name was Karan, he was wonderful. Those guys as a pair, beautiful. They had some of my favorite hilarious moments in the film. They were great. And then you have Liam McHugh as Sprite. This character was interesting for me considering how young she appeared. And I also liked how there were certain aspects of her character that once the film started to reveal more about her, I felt for her. I really did. But I just wish there was more time spent on it. Then you have Brian T. Henry as Fastos, my boy Paperboy. I liked him in this film. He was pretty good, but I wish there was more of him. And the same could be said for Lauren Lindloff as Makari. This character is a pretty cool person because they're a speedster. And I love speedsters. Obviously, if you know me, you know I'm a big fan of Sonic, The Flash, and most other characters that can zoom pretty quickly. And she had some really great moments in this film, but it was offset by the fact that this character did not nearly have as much screen time as she could have. Then you have Barry Keoghan. I don't know how to say his last name, but he's the guy that played Druig. On paper, his character sounded pretty interesting, but in execution, I didn't like him that much at all. I found him pretty cynical, annoying, and I didn't find him as compelling or as interesting as the other members of the team. Don Lee as Gilgamesh, I liked him personality wise and I liked his power set, but again, I wish there was more done with him. I think he was most interesting when he was hanging around with Angelina Jolie's Athena. Athena was fascinating in terms of how her character was portrayed and the sort of emotions and stuff that she was going through in the film. But again, there wasn't enough time for her. And then there was Salma Hayek as Ajak. She was good. I liked her. But again, not enough time. And then you have Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman, who at first, I'm not going to lie, I was bummed out by the character he was playing. But then after a little bit, I can't say anymore, but I was intrigued by what his character was up to. And there was just a couple other surprising appearances from certain other actors in this film, especially during the mid and post credit scenes. So definitely stick around for those, but it definitely makes me more intrigued for the MCU going ahead. All right, and now it's time to talk about the presentation. And I feel like this is one of the areas where the film is strong, but also not as strong as it could have been. 
Now, visually, this film has some interesting material when it comes to depicting the scope of space and the scope of Earth in certain locations. I also loved some of the filming locations they had in London. As someone who lives not too far away from London and has frequented that area for a while, some of those locations in Camden and one other location that I cannot reveal because it's pretty pivotal to one point in the film, I was getting really nostalgic and the way in which it was filmed, it felt like it was London rather than a Hollywood interpretation of it. But also when it comes to the action sequences, they were a bit of a mixed bag because on the one hand, you have certain fights that have people flipping, punching, attacking, stabbing, flying around and shooting lasers and stuff. And a lot of it feels like, you know, stuff that you've seen before. It has decent choreography, but nothing about it makes you go ooh and ah and makes you just go, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And for characters who are aliens, who have existed for thousands of years with these cosmic abilities, you think that they do a little bit more to demonstrate the sort of veracity wow factor that comes with aliens utilizing abilities that we don't know. However, there are certain periods towards the end of the film where they start to get a little bit more creative with the action sequences and one character in particular who I wanted to see more of their powers gets to throw down in some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen which I cannot say because obviously that'd be going into the area of spoilers but there are certain other characters that have a similar power set but haven't been utilized nearly as well as this character was in this film. So I was very pleased. By the final act of this film, I was like, okay, this is where the good stuff was. It's just a shame that the earlier side of this film didn't get to utilize those superpowers in the same effective way. And then you have the film score, which was handled by Ramin Dujwadi. I feel like I butchered that guy's last name, but forgive me. But yeah, he's basically the Game of Thrones composer, but he was also the first composer of the MCU who handled the film score for Iron Man back in 2008. And I was one of the few people who liked his film score in there because some people thought it was forgettable. And granted, it didn't have the same impact that some of the later MCU scores had, but the track Driving With The Top Down is still one of my favorite tracks in the MCU. It was the one used during Iron Man's test flight sequence in the Mark II suit. But yeah, I feel like he did a decent job with this film. This film definitely has a theme and I always like it when my superhero films at least have some form of theme that makes it feel like the heroes have a rallying call through music. And this music, it worked efficiently for the most part. I felt it was a little subdued and didn't have much impact until maybe halfway through the film when some of the more dramatic slash interesting revelations come to pass and then by the latter side of the film and during the credits I'm like okay I'm starting to hear a little bit more of what this film score is I enjoyed it it wasn't amazing but it definitely had its moments so now we come to the conclusion I definitely feel like it's worth watching and that the marketing team really, really messed up when it came to demonstrating why audiences should be interested in this film. But that being said, the contents of the film, your mileage will vary depending on what you're looking for in a superhero film. This definitely won't be for everybody. There are certainly issues with pacing, exposition, 
and I guess a lack of character development for a bunch of the people involved. But if you're willing to give this film a chance and then, you know, go along for the ride, once everything slots into place, it gets so much more interesting. And as I said before, once this film is over, there are so many new ideas and possibilities for the Marvel Cinematic Universe going ahead that you're just like, how is this going to feed into this? And who, what, what is going to happen? There is a lot of fascinating elements up in the air that is up for discussion. And I feel like the discussion surrounding the MCU amongst fans will be pretty good. But that's going to do it for another episode of Film Focus, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening as always. Have you seen Eternals? And if so, what did you think of it? Did you think it was boring and pants? Or did you think it was better than average? Or did you actually love the film? Any response you have to the film, let me know in the comment section below or holler at me on Twitter where I'm at Hyperzona55 or at FilmFocus55. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify and look forward to the next review when it shows up. So until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Thank you.